You are listening to the All Focus and Grit Breakaway Roping Podcast, where we provide you a roadmap to success both inside and outside the arena. Here are your hosts, Breakaway Ropers, Dreamers, and Goal Setters, Jennifer Casey, Cody Fuller, and Dusty Crenshaw. Welcome back to the All Focus and Grit Podcast. I'm Jennifer Casey. I'm Dusty Crenshaw. And I'm Cody Fuller. Today, we have a very special guest with us. I grew up roading next to her, and let me tell you, she is wicked. She grew up in a very talented rodeo family and has numerous wins under her belt in not only the breakaway, but also the barrels, including a college national finals all-around title. This year in 2020, she competed at the AT&T Stadium in the breakaway roping. She's now married to a 10-time NFR header, Riley Miner, and has the cutest little girl around. Please welcome Jordan Miner. Hello. How's it going? How are you doing today? <laughs> good. How are you guys? Pretty good. How are you holding up with all the craziness lately? Um, pretty quiet. Kind of not sure what to look forward to anymore. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but so you spent the winter in Arizona then. So you got to rope quite a bit down there. Um, we were a little bit all over the place. Um, we do have a place in Arizona and we go there usually sometime in November and Riley and his brother can start practicing for Vegas. And so November and December, I would say aren't, um, we're not there the whole time. I don't get to practice a whole lot. It's more about the boys getting ready for Vegas usually. And so uh, after that, yeah. And so I don't always have calves in Arizona. Uh, this year we made it a point to get some. So that was a lot more fun for me. And then after right. Vegas, we come home for Christmas and we come home for the circuit finals, which was in January now. So that changes the schedule a little bit. And then after that, I feel like we barely go back to Arizona and things start in Texas. So it's a lot of back and forth, but Arizona's home base for the winter. Oh, okay. Yep. And then, and then your home base for the summer is Ellensburg, Uh, right? Yep. Ellensburg. But when Riley's gone rodeoing a lot, if I, if I don't go with him, then I usually go with my family. So I'm back and forth between Hermiston and Ellensburg all the time. It's better than going by myself. Oh, okay. (laughs) And you probably get to know places. Yeah. Yeah, usually I have a lot of my stuff in Hermiston because that's where I have help with family and someone to travel with, but I feel like I'm coming out of suitcase all the time. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you should just take your living quarters and just live in it and haul it back and forth. That's what it feels like. After a while, the stock trailer starts looking like my closet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So, um, about you know, what you have going on right now and maybe a little bit of um, history about growing up in your rodeo family, things like that. Um, where should I start? Um, I guess it's, I've always been thankful to come from a rodeo family where both parents compete and still compete. And then also to marry into a family that is the same way. So I feel like I have a lot of help and advice and support, whether it's my mom or dad or Riley, but I always have 
somebody I feel like I can turn to and ask questions and try to just get better at any event we're working on. Um, my dad still goes everywhere with us and is still team roping and wishes he was still calf roping, but we just like to steal his horses now. And my mom, she stays home a lot now, uh, usually because the rig is full or the trailer's full, but she still helps us with all of our colts and gets them going and started on the barrels. And I just feel like I have advice from every angle. So that helps a lot. Yeah, that's it, it makes a huge difference for sure. Um, hey, Jordan. It's, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. No, you, go ahead. You, your mom starts a lot of your colts. Do you guys raise your own, your own babies or do you guys buy, buy colts or what do you guys do with that? Uh, you were kind of cutting out. Were you asking if we raise our own? Yeah. No, yeah. I asked, uh, um, do you raise your own colts or do you guys buy, buy colts? Yes. So, okay, so growing up our whole life, we have never bought any horses. We um, have our own, we don't have a ton of horses. I wouldn't say we, we don't have our own stud. We used to, but we have a lot of our own broodmares and we, uh, my aunt and uncle have a ranch and they have a stud now. And so in the last probably about seven years, we've been breeding to their stud with our broodmares. And it's just kind of been a big family program. Um, my dad starts them and round pins them and gets them broke. And then between my sisters and I and my mom, we all kind of pick one that we say we want that's gonna be our project. And we just take it from there. And there's usually, that's always the number one question everybody asks us is how do you know who gets what horse and how do you decide between you and your sisters? and it's not always easy, actually. So we've been lucky. Um, I had a mare. My mom had a barrel mare that we called Cisco. And she's kind of been our number one brood mare. And a lot of our colts now that we're competing on are out of her. And so it was kind of the unspoken. Everybody knows that me and my mom get first dibs on Cisco's babies. <laughs> and then... Uh, prior to that, my sister Jade's rope horse, his name was Jet, and um, it was her, technically Jade's horse, but he was my rope horse, and we all knew that any of his babies were kind of Jade got first dibs. So that's how it all kind of started, and then it just, we just play musical horses after that. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of your horses that you have right now, the stud that your family has, um, that's the falcon, correct? So back in the day, um, Jade's horse that we call Jet, that was our rope horse and her barrel horse, he was a stud for eight years. So we had, I think, about five babies by him that were kind of like our first crop of horses that we all rodeoed on. And then ever since we cut him and he became solely Jade's, um, the rest of ours that we're riding now are all Frenchman's Falcon, which is my aunt and uncle out at the ranch. So my, okay. I think my, I think each one of us and I think every, my sister, my mom, all of us are now riding a Frenchman's Falcon and we rope on them and run barrels on them. So, okay. So your breakaway horse right now is also a Falcon. So that's, I guess where that's the history of everything. So in the meantime, the last two years, we have had the worst horse luck you can think of. I feel like I 
don't even want to tell my sob story anymore because everybody has bad horse luck and I truly know how it feels now. And from the barrel horses getting hurt to um, Jet dying, one of my barrel horses dying, my other one getting hurt, we were kind of just at a standstill where we had 20-year-olds or four-year-olds and nothing was ready to go anywhere. And so last summer I stole my dad's heel horse, which was out of Cisco. So that's a touchy subject because we're not sure how my dad ended up with him because I feel <laughs> like he should have gone to one of us, <laughs> but he is technically my dad's and I was just lucky he shared him with me. But after a long summer, my dad was like, okay, time's up. I want my heel horse back and you can start riding your colts again. And so then I got very lucky this fall. Um, we came across a calf horse, breakaway horse, and it just seemed too good to be true. Riley and I had kind of been looking and kind of keeping an eye out, but I really had no experience in that. And to be honest, I was scared to go look somewhere else and kind of the unknown. And so we just got really lucky in November. Um, Colby Bravos, a calf roper from the Dalles, He's younger than I am, but he wanted to sell his horse. And I just thought it was strange that he was two hours away in the Dalles and I didn't know anything about the horse. And we went and we tried him and the rest is kind of history. His name is Limo and it's the first horse that we've ever bought in my life. So I had a lot to figure out in a short amount of time this winter. Well, now you have plenty of time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I needed this time before this winter. <laughs> yeah, no worst, kidding. Worst time to actually be horse shopping, in my opinion, because I found him and I thought I liked him and then there was nowhere to go. So then you just sit and think and overthink and try to figure yeah. things out until there's somewhere to go. And it seemed like for me, it was, everything was new all at once. A new horse, new rodeos, new places, never really gone to Texas and I was doing it all at once. <laughs> How old um, is that horse that you bought? He's 12. That's a really yeah. good age. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. Yep. And I just kind of kept waiting for, is there something I didn't know? Did I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have bought horses before. I haven't. And so when it's your own, you know, all their quirks and everything about them and kind of their personalities and how to get around them or what to expect. And with him, it was just like, well, I have to learn to trust you. And until you mess up, here we go. And he hasn't at all. He's been great. He's been, it's a relief that <laughs> it worked out. That's cool. Um, how is that horse bred? He is Freckles Playboy and Docs Coyote on top and Dual Pep and Peppy Sand Badger on the bottom. Cool. Nice. So he's, he's been fun. And is that yeah, the horse you, you rode down in Texas at the American? Yeah. So I got him in November and didn't go anywhere. And then, um, I rode him at circuit finals in January. And then I went back to, um, Arizona and we headed to Texas. And I would say the first rodeo other than, other than the circuit finals was Fort Worth and the American. Wow. So he definitely got tested at the biggest places I've ever been. That's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. so tell us a little bit about um, your, your experience at Fort Worth. Was Fort Worth, okay, it was Fort Worth before the American, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so, I was there the end of, when was I at? The end of January. So um, what was, I didn't, um, I guess I didn't follow that so much. I don't know how you ended up doing there. Um, but what was, I, how'd you do? What was your experience like? I didn't do any good there. Why don't, but you, why don't really you tell us the format of how that worked and how you got to go to Fort Worth? So actually, I didn't even know that I was qualified for Fort Worth because I knew it was in the new Dickies Arena. It wasn't at the old Will Rogers anymore where I had ran barrels. And in the past, like, I, the things I knew about the winter rodeos were either based off of what I had learned from Riley or what I had learned running barrels there. So with Breakaway, I really had no idea what to expect. And I was luckily looking into Fort Worth thinking about entering the barrels when I saw that I was qualified for the Breakaway. And they ended up taking, I believe, the top 40 from the WPRA Breakaway standings. And then the top 10 from the WPRA World Finals. So there was only a total of 50 breakaway ropers at Fort Worth. So when I got looking at that, I didn't even realize that I would be qualified. But luckily for us, our circuit has so many great rodeos and breakaways that I was qualified just by our circuit standings and was in the top 40. So I was able to enter Fort Worth. And we just entered through interrupt.biz and gave your preference and it was two head and then if you were third in your set and didn't advance then you went to the wild card round and then if you advanced from the wild card round you went to the short go is that right yeah 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 I can't remember did did two advance out of each set two advance out of each set to the okay. semifinals and then the wild card was to the there yeah because see they did it a little bit different than most of the winter rodeos most winter rodeos that are in bracket systems like that the wild card comes after the semis but at fort worth the wild card round was out of your set so that was a little bit different right and then the wild card went into the semifinals, and then you had to Yes, it was not. Yeah, where in other rodeos, you compete in your set, you advance to the semis, and then if you don't advance to the short go, you go to the wild card for one more chance at the short go. Mm -hmm. So Fort Worth's format was just a little different, but it was real. I really liked Fort Worth. I didn't have any luck there, but the new arena was awesome. It, it was a great experience. I would hope to go back. <laughs> What did you think of the big, uh, the screen that was in there? I mean, it was so big. <laughs> the, yeah, the, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm weird about that. I feel like I didn't even look up. I didn't want to know how big it was. I didn't want to see myself on the screen. I just wanted to ride in the box and rope. But afterwards, when I was done and I saw how huge the screen was, <laughs> then that would have changed things beforehand. Yeah. So they just had a big screen, like a big screen hanging down in the middle of the arena? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It was, it's a huge new arena. It um, was so big that they even had on the, when I went and sat at the stands on the inside of the screen, it had stuff. 
So yeah, it was, it was like three screens in one. <laughs> yeah, it was wow. crazy. It was huge, and I it's a lot different. A lot of people said that they um, duplicated the old arena, um, but just I don't know my personal opinion and my experience running barrels in the old arena and then roping in the new arena. It's way bigger. <laughs> it's a lot different. It's a lot brighter and it's just fancy it's like marble floors and white oh, wow. like a lot of white really clean you don't feel like you should be in there with your boots and spurs at all <laughs> <laughs> where the little rogers was a lot older and historic and felt like you were watching eight seconds when you were at the rodeo yeah <laughs> and now it's a lot more modern and huge huge it's really bright in there I do know I do remember that when I rode you kind of come around the tunnel underneath the grandstands from the warm-up arena around back and you come in behind the box and when you're back there it, it just feels like any other rodeo and then when you ride in the box and look out into the arena it's just like spotlight it's a lot bigger <laughs> yeah that might play with your mind a little bit yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no it was fun I liked Fort Worth so tell us a little bit about your experience for the American. Where did you qualify? Like what roping did you qualify for um, or in it um, um, to get into the Last year, I only did, I only tried to qualify one time last year, just kind of in the middle of switching horses and not knowing what to expect from the young ones we were roping on last summer. I didn't want to get too far ahead of myself, not knowing what to expect later in January. So I only, I qualified at the Ellensburg five header last spring. And that was the only one. Oh, I okay. Did. And then, yeah, which you, I mean, you did pretty well this year. So you got to rope in the AT&T stadium. So what was that like? Um, I would say that the main difference for me from last year to this year was actually getting to be in Texas a little bit longer. And I feel like it's a lot different than home and the setups that you're used to. And you're just a little out of your comfort zone, I guess. And last year I showed up just like the day before the semis were starting, got there just in time, roped, and it was okay. But I didn't feel like I was that prepared. And this year it helped that I got to go um, a couple weeks before and go to some other jackpots and actually rope in the Coliseum before the semi started and I do think that helped oh for sure yeah so you went so you got to Texas early you had Fort Worth so there was just a lot of jackpots you went to beforehand yeah I, um yeah so with Fort Worth being this year I got there for Fort Worth and I ended up staying almost the rest of the time and they have a Friday and Saturday rodeo every weekend in the Cowtown Coliseum in Fort Worth and that's where the semis is. So I think I got to go there three times before and rope in there at the weekend rodeo. And it just seemed, it, I just seemed more prepared in, in my mind to know what to expect. I knew the calves were going to be different. The start might be different. Everything might be totally different. It just made me more comfortable on a new horse that knowing that I had roped in there before it started. You've rodeoed your whole life, but once you got to the AT&T Stadium, did you have any nerves? Was it a little bit different? Was your mindset any different? I would say that 
everything this winter was different from what I'm used to because I wasn't on my old faithful. And I felt like when I rode jet, I just, I nothing, I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about the box. I knew I'd figure out the score eventually. And I just felt like I had to focus on myself more than everything else. And this winter I caught myself wondering about my horse and wondering about my rope and wonder, what's the arena like and how fast are the calves. And finally, by the time the American semis rolled around, I was just like, quit overthinking everything. It's either going to work or it's not. And I feel like in the breakaway these days, there is no second guessing. You're too slow. <laughs> if you don't second guess, you're done. So you can't second guess the barrier or the start or your horse or when to throw. And you kind of just have to go for it. And I felt like I got that those jitters out of the way at Fort Worth and a couple of the weekend rodeos before it all started. And once it started, I knew you kind of have to go for it. They they did change the format a little bit this year where um not entirely, but some things were an average, whereas last year it was like a one-header, like do or die. And so that crept into my mind a little bit at the American, whereas before it was, if you're not first, you're last, you have to throw. It's not an average, but this year they changed it to an average to advance. And I feel like that does change a lot of things. Oh, yeah. 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 It changes a lot of things for sure. Yeah. At the, at the semis, I just tried to treat every run like a one header and then, and it worked out. So I would almost say I was more nervous on the third calf at the semis than I was at the actual American because you just don't want to mess up that last calf when you're that close to getting there. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Once you got there, it was a little bit of a relief, but of course, you're still nervous once you get down there in the arena. Oh, yeah, because yeah, cause then you start to think, well, shoot, I'm this close. There's a chance I could win a lot of money here. Yeah, and the semis are great, too. They, you, like, I just, like I said, I just tried to treat every calf like a new rodeo, a one-header every time. Because on those that quick of a setup and that many girls roping, you have to treat it like a one-header, in my opinion. Right. I mean, and so there comes a time when you do have to be smart, but for my own game plan, I didn't want to second guess in a small arena like that. Yeah, because all, all those girls down there, they're not overthinking anything. They're just like first shot, boom. There's so. always somebody that's going to come with it. So, and I feel like mm -hmm. that, that yeah. helped me a lot uh this year compared to last year was getting in there and knowing what to expect with my new horse and not second guessing yeah so um so both jordan and jennifer you guys were down there this year um so was the start was it all set up the same as last year i'd say it was pretty similar but they have to have so many calves that it still just depends it's, yeah. I don't, I don't want to call it a drawing contest and maybe I just had the format figured out a little bit better this year with the experience from last year. Um, 
because I think it's kind of hard to follow when they, Texas does things a little different and they have sets of calves and it just depends what you draw. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. So what did you think? kind of know like, oh, my, my calf's out of this set of calves. So these ones are maybe a little bit slower. So you guys were able to know that. Um, kind of, I believe they had 250 calves this year. So it was still hard to keep track of, but another thing that helped this year that maybe I wasn't aware about last year, they had a last chance qualifier roping the day before it all started where they used the same calves. And I don't know if they did that last year and I just had no clue or um, if this was the first year they did it that way. But I felt like that helped get a little bit of an idea of what we were going to be roping too because I was able to go to that roping also. Oh, okay. So, so with your experience with going for the last two years, um, would you do it again? I think so. <laughs> I feel like it's a long shot and everybody knows that, but it's worth trying. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Another thing that was different this year, I didn't rope. Obviously, this was my first time at the American, but I had been there to watch. Uh, well, my sister made it once, and then Riley's made it. And so I've always watched and seen what it looks like from the stands. Um, but this year was a lot different, too, because they changed the arena, where before it was two separate arenas. And this year it was just one big open arena. And I feel like that changed things, too. You felt like the Cavs could go anywhere. Where watching last year, it looked like you knew where they were going. Right, yeah. Yeah, that would change things a lot. It looked a lot different. I don't know. But that could have just been because it was my first time down in the arena. <laughs> no, I'm sure that changes things a lot, really, um, for everything. I mean, it changed changed all the events, not, the, not only the roping, but the barrels was way different, too. So Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. So what is, um, so what are your plans now? Um, what do you have for goals coming up here in the next year or two? Well, I'm hoping everything starts up again so that we all have somewhere to go. But in the meantime, I guess I just keep writing and tell myself I have more time with the Colts <laughs> because that's something we've been putting off. <laughs> Do you have anything that you do every day that um, helps you stay on track with your goals and helps you get better every day? Is there any one thing or a couple things that you do? I, I don't get to rope every day, but I do try to ride every day. And even this winter, it's hard when you're away from home and you don't have everything you're used to having at your own house and being comfortable to just go outside and practice when you need to. That was hard for me because I feel like I'm somebody that always needs to practice or at least feel like I practiced or made an effort to practice. And uh, this winter was hard because I was away from home and the weather wasn't great and it was rainy and muddy and cold. And I didn't feel like I got to go practice very much. So that's one nice thing about being home, taking advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that was that, hard because I'm not outgoing is... enough to just ask any random person in Texas, can I come rope? <laughs> so 
that was well, hard. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I guess what, I think that'd be hard for anyone. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna practice. <laughs> like, I don't know, but I really need to <laughs> myself that it's all muscle memory, and I'm just gonna practice in my head for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, think that you know, works. Visualization is huge. <laughs> that doesn't work, but I had to convince myself this winter it would work. <laughs> so do you have like a, um, do you ever think about your mental game or is that just something that's come automatic to you? Do you, um, do you get nervous in general or is it just kind of old hat? I really think mental game is everything. and. Lucky for me, my dad, my mom and my dad are very helpful about that. And my dad has always taught us, like, you're going to do exactly what you think you're going to do. And if you're second guessing or overthinking or not thinking positive and able to move on to the next one, it's not going to get any better. So I guess that it was just kind of either bred into me or raised that way that I do think it's all about your thought process. I mean, we don't always get to practice. We don't always have calves. We don't always have horses. I've had to share horses with my family my whole life and getting married and moving and living somewhere else and not always getting to take the horses and things like that. Uh, it, it is a mental game too. And you can rope the dummy and visualize and hope it works. <laughs> so so something that I think is cool um I always bring this up but um I have both of you guys on here today Jennifer and Jordan you guys are the only two people that I know that don't feed your loop and I think that's pretty cool and you guys both are some of the best ropers I know so I think that's I think that's pretty cool I don't know if you guys want to share that with the world and maybe it's a secret but um but I don't know if if Jordan, you knew that about Jennifer too. Oh but. yeah. Yep. Um, I remember. Um, I gosh, where do I start? I remember when my dad was teaching me how to rope, and I knew how to feed, and I felt like I could do it, and I could do it on the dummy. And I mean, this is when I was way younger, and that was one of the first things he said was, "Do what you're comfortable with." If you're going to be overthinking it and over here worried about feeding your rope and not being ready to rope, then don't feed it. And I think he thought he was just getting me over that hump and eventually I would start feeding my rope. But I just have always been more comfortable and felt ready, felt ready to throw fast if I wasn't in the middle of feeding, which drives my husband crazy. He thinks I should feed. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> My sister thinks it's weird. She feeds, but I, that's funny you brought that up because my closest friends through high school, college, even now I have some people that just last summer were like, you don't feed. They never knew all these years. And I was like, neither does Jennifer. <laughs> I remember being at a clinic somewhere and they were like, well, you have to feed your rope. And, you know, I'm like, why? it takes longer. You know, I, I've just, I've never fed it. And I've always looked at people like, why you tell me a good reason why you have to feed your rope. <laughs> and I know. It's funny because I didn't, I didn't know that Jennifer didn't, I just learned that maybe a couple years ago, or I don't know. Remember when I learned that Jennifer didn't, um, her loop. 
Cody, I think you were talking to me at Ellensburg one summer. Maybe that's what it was. But I was like, Sarah doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, like I just recently learned this about you guys not too long ago. And and I didn't even realize it. When I was younger, I went to one of her, one of Jennifer's clinics and I didn't even realize it then that she wasn't feeding her row. So I clearly am a, I'm a good student, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. right. A lot of people, I don't know, I guess I'm stubborn now. Why change what works? But um, a lot of people think you do have to feed your row. And I see a lot of people that mess up when they're feeding and could have been throwing so I guess I want to eliminate one more thing I can mess up right yeah no it makes sense for sure and I try to say that more often now just you know I'm like you don't have to feed your rope you know if you didn't feed your rope that wouldn't happen um and everybody it, it, it it's so ingrained that you have to feed your rope and I'm like mm, no Yep. no you don't <laughs> yeah and that's one thing I'm glad I learned from my dad because he didn't force us to do any of that he showed us how and taught us and told us when and why it might work but he never said you have to and when it was working not feeding then you just I just went with it now I don't even think about it I don't even realize that everybody else looks at it as something different well, I think well, so did you guys, and, oh, I was going to say, I think that's so powerful to listen to you guys talk about feeding or not feeding. Um, when kids or people learning how to rope, listen to these podcasts or go to clinics, they need to listen to what everybody says and then pick out what works for them. Um, just, and, and develop those habits that are going to work for you and, mm-hmm. and learn the, the whys behind feeding and not feeding and learn the whys by holding your rope this way or that way. And, and, and again, figuring out what is going to work best for you and for your horse and for the setup and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's weird when it's something you've done forever, you don't even think about now. <laughs> it always catches me off guard when people notice for the first time and ask me, why don't you feed? And I'm like, um, I just never have. I don't know. <laughs> it works. I. Well, do you guys start with a, so do you guys start, since you don't feed, I imagine you guys start with a way bigger loop than, than a lot other people would. You haven't noticed my cow loop yet? I guess not. <laughs> I, call it, I call it my elephant rope, my elephant loop. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> the rope and small calves, you just make it a little smaller. The rope and big calves, you just make it a little bigger. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> yep. Okay, I so I um, start with a big loop. <laughs> um, Jordan, if you wanted to touch upon like some of your accomplishments in the past, like I know um, you won the all around at the CNFR before. Um, and there's, you've had some big accomplishments in the past before the American and things that are going on now. Okay. So how, what you want me to just start just by? Tell us all about your rodeo life and your accomplishments and your successes and what you've done to get there. And 
Um, to the little Jordan Junior Rodeo. So, probably my very first huge accomplishment for me was um, in high school when I made it to the high school finals in all four events because I breakaway team rope barrels and poles back then. And I, um, it was in Gillette that year and I'm never going to let it go because I won the reserve all around and I hit two poles. And if I would have only hit one, I would have won that trailer. And <laughs> from that point on, I was just motivated and wanted to win the all around everywhere I went. And I just couldn't let go of the fact that one pole cost me a trailer. And so from then, and after that, I, um, that was actually my senior year. And so then my first year at college, I ended up winning the all around at the college finals. And I was in the team roping breakaway in barrels that year. And I was third in the barrels. And then I guess that was probably the next biggest thing I accomplished. And after that, my goal was just to always make any finals in breakaway and barrels and hopefully win the all-around, and I think between my sister and I, we've won the all-around in the Pro-S for the last 10 years, and I, um, I could be wrong, but I, I think I've won the breakaway in the NPRA and the uh, Pro-S seven times, and I don't know, that's just a big family accomplishment that Jade has been the only one to beat me in the all-around in the Pro-S, that's and cool. sister rivalry there. <laughs> she knew all she had to do was take her rope horse away from me. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> but, um, and then I guess after all the amateur rodeos, to me, I never look at the amateur rodeos like, oh, that's an amateur rodeo. That's a pro rodeo. I, I think, I mean, some people put it, categorize them and maybe look down at the amateur rodeos or think that they're not as tough as the pro rodeos, but I never ever felt that way because I feel like it's a lot of the same people competing at both of them and especially in the girls events you you get just as many barrel racers and breakaway ropers at a little pro s rodeo as you do a pro rodeo so I feel like it's an accomplishment anywhere you go in our events it's tough and so I felt like I kind of just worked my way up from high school to college to amateur and once I could feel like I could compete at those then my goal was to make the circuit finals and I've made the circuit finals in the barrels twice and every time that they've had breakaway so far which I believe has been three times I think yeah I think that's quite the list of accomplishments so that's pretty cool thank you yeah so I have a question for you when you go in um, to get ready to rope your calf what are your thoughts before you nod your head what do you think about as you're walking into the box, turning around? Score, ride, rope, because I get out of order sometimes. <laughs> I want to rope fast and you forget to score. Mm -hmm. So if I just, I think every time my sister and I, all of us, um, when we're helping each other out, as soon as I ride in the box, I think of score first and I always pick my spot because it's easy to lose sight of your target and glaze over. <laughs> mm -hmm. Then you might glaze over after that, but at least if I have my eye on the target, where I'm supposed to look, seems like it helps. Right. 
when you say you look at the, your eye on the target, do you look at the, the pin or do you look at like towards the head of around the end of the gate or where is it that you look? Yeah, I, um, um, if this makes sense, it's kind of like tunnel vision to me. I see something around. I think it happens most of the time way too quick for me to look at it to the pin like you would team roping. Um, that's another thing Riley and I talk about a lot. He thinks you should be able to look to the pin, but it doesn't always work like that on caps. So I look at the calf, but I also feel like tunnel vision where I try not to take my eye off of the calf shoulder blades while still trying to see something around. Mm. That's good. Yeah, I, I look at the pin and all summer long last summer, I was like, okay, I'm gonna try looking the head around the end of the gate. But for me, it happens so fast and I'm like, oh, 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 just because I grew up, my, my dad taught me, you look at the pin and that's, that's where yep. my whole game's at and, and to try to change it. That um, would be hard. Whew, it is try. hard. Like, yeah, I'm the same. I'm one of the few that's left that looks at the pin mm -hmm. and yeah, same way. I'm same as Dusty since I've learned that way and I've stuck with it. I feel like head around or anything to the end of the gate, just it overwhelms me and I feel like it happens too fast and I just... So I'm like, okay, Dusty, you're the only one I can ask. What's the start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that I would be, oh, go ahead. Well, that would be really hard to change. And I don't know why my dad taught us that way growing up because I did look at the pin team roping. Sometimes if it was a long score, I could look at the pin team roping. But even then team roping, if it happened fast, I would see horn around, ear around. Unless it was all the way out, I saw something around. Because then I felt like I never lost sight of my target at the same time. I've heard yeah. it's a weird tunnel that. vision. My sister and I have tried to explain it. And it's like, I feel like if I'm looking at my shoulder blades where I'm going to follow through, I see that moving where the pin never moves. <laughs> if that makes sense. Because if yeah. I look at the pin, then I have to refine my target. Yeah. That and does, I, that I like that theory. That's why I tried it. <laughs> but I, it was really hard for me. I was like, did I get out? I don't know. I, I don't know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to change. I don't know if I could do to the pin. I know. I up like that what for... do you look at when you do the pin? Like, say the start. Hmm. Well, that wouldn't work for you. I was going to say, same starts, nose around. <laughs> Would that be? So what I do is, let's say I have to see shoulder? middle of the ribs to the pin or hip uh -huh. to the pin. I just look at the pin. And as soon as I see like the middle of the ribs or whatever, or the hip or whatever, whatever my target is, as soon as I see that, then I go and then I look towards the shoulder blade. Then you find your target. Uh -huh. yep. yep. So I, as I'm like riding my first stride out and not, you know going forward and then I look for that target okay but yeah I've heard I, I think I, it depends on like like I think it depends on the the shoots but mm -hmm. a lot of times I can kind of like if someone says it's like head around I think that's usually close to back of the shoulder to the pin mm -hmm. yeah. and so um if someone says that I usually try to but then you have to take into consideration the how the shoe is but usually there's I try to compare that if someone's saying, oh, head around, then I'm like, okay, it's probably close to back of the shoulder, so. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
nope, whatever works, do it. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Jennifer, how do you do it? Um, I see to the pin and, or mainly I just see a move, like uh, how much the calf is moving. Yeah. Or the, you know, I just, um, cause very rarely the sense of scores are generally short, but how much it is in relationship to the pin, but then it is in relationship to the pin, but then my eye is always on the target. So it's kind of a combo mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yep. I think that's why my dad always taught us to see something around because you're really never taking your eye off the target. But, but like you said, most of the time, most of the scores we're going to see you watch your calf anyway. Mm -hmm. It's never a lot. <laughs> Right. Usually happens quick, so you can see your calf move. Right. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Do you guys have any other questions? I have a question. Yeah, I didn't. Um, what kind of rope do you use? It's something that we ask uh, a lot of the people we have on here. Um, I used to use the hooey for a long time, cactus hooey, and I just recently switched this winter to the tsunami. And I think I'm liking it so far. Haven't gone very many places, but that's what I use this winter. Okay. And that's a cactus? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's oh, their okay. new one. Yep, it just came out this winter. Another question pertaining to the ropes. Um, how long is your rope? Do you know? Um, I don't know for sure. I always just measure off of the previous rope my whole life. I just keep <laughs> cutting them off on the old one that I like. That's so funny. That is honestly a common um, question we ask and, it, and we get that same answer is we just kind of grab the old rope we had and measure it out. Um, um, how big is I, should, I should know the answer to that though, because one thing I thought was really cool that I didn't, uh, I was skeptical about was the tsunami comes already cut off to the length you want. And I was like, I don't think so. And my dad's like, Jordan, this is the right length. We don't need to cut it. I'm like, I don't know. I need to compare it to my old rope. And it is the same. <laughs> so one good thing to know, the tsunami's already cut off for you. <laughs> is it cut off to a particular length? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you, you, when you order, you say, oh, I, so my rope's 22 feet long. Oh, um, no, I think they're all just that one length, which happens to be the length of all my ropes I've ever used. Oh, <laughs> I gotcha. So they knew a good length, I guess. Perfect. I didn't have so to do cut you have it off, a coil? So that was in... Sorry. Do you have a coil in your hand then, or do you, some people don't hold a coil? Just one. Yep. One small one. Well, awesome. If there's no more questions, um, I guess... Thank you so much for coming on. That was, Thanks that was awesome. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the All Focus and Grit Breakaway Roping Podcast. Dream big and rope sharp.